Hello, friends, and welcome. You're listening to Unscripted Sex Ed, the podcast, where we talk about navigating sexuality as a young adult. From figuring out answers to the questions we've had since middle school and high school to exploring the narratives that have shaped American beliefs and values about how we experience our bodies, relationships, gender, and pleasure. We're your hosts, Courtney. And Mallory. We're good friends and sexuality educators diving into these conversations. So pull up a chair, get comfy, and let's dive in. So, Courtney, what is our topic today? What are we diving into? Today, tonight, we are diving into purity because we are kind of going along with the steam that we've had running for a couple of episodes now about shame and guilt. And purity culture is one of those really odd and really strong narratives that perpetuates shame and guilt around sexuality, particularly for those who identify as female or anyone who is not cis heterosexual males though and even that they get a healthy dose of shame as well in purity culture so we're gonna kind of pick that apart a little bit sounds like a lot of fun it's a lot i don't know if it's (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i don't know if other people are kind of where i'm at like whoa (laughs) that's already yeah tonight's gonna be a different tone yes our last episode was a lot of fun and laughing and really lighthearted. Which is amazing and wonderful. But yeah, tonight's tone is definitely going to be, particularly from me, more serious. There's a lot of trauma that can accompany purity culture. And that has certainly been, my experience has not been totally positive. So yeah. Yeah. Thank you for letting us know that. And for listeners to know, hey, if this is something that you're, you know, not ready for it. Maybe you're not ready to dive into the deep end and you're like, whoa, 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 where's our shallow water that we've been playing in? Yep. Maybe save this for another time. But yeah, thank you so much for sharing, Courtney. And with that note, where do you want to, where do you want to begin sharing with us? I think we should begin with what is purity culture? What does the term even mean? That's a great place to start. Duh. Yeah. Let's define define the term. Right. Because it means a lot of things. And we do have some international listeners. So I really want to contextualize this. And by saying when I talk about purity culture, I am talking about the American evangelical branches of Christianity and the doctrine around sexuality where virginity is prized above all mm-hmm. else almost right there's okay i i did go to a christian college like super evangelical christian college i cannot quote you the scripture at this point so i'm not gonna but for reference there is scripture that says that all sins are equal in the eyes of god mm. however the church mm-hmm. certainly does not treat sexuality and virginity Um, and premarital sex in the same like vein as they would telling a white lie so when it comes to the church and how things are kind of seen there's certainly an untold hierarchy of sin and okay virginity and premarital sex and sexuality anything regarding sexuality is really at the top of that hierarchy that if you cross that line you mess up there 
it is a much, much bigger deal and you get much more backlash than for other things. Now, would kind of going extreme here, you said white lie, but with like, I don't know, cheating on your wife or killing somebody rank as high as virginity or would that still be in that like... All right. <laughs> yeah, somebody with your car and they happen to die. Like, oh, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. Right. Like straight up murder. No. That's good. Okay. Be okay. Right there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Wanted to make sure that yeah, that right up there. The funny one about the cheating though. Oh is, no. No. Who gets the blame? Who gets the blame for the cheating? Who so which woman are you gonna put the blame on essentially? Yeah. Is it like the man? Cause right. Like did she make him happy at home? Did she was there why would he looking outside the relationship? Is that not oh, the also yeah, it, it tends to lead to those kind of conclusions and victims leaving. And it gets, oh. it gets right, that's some of those negative feelings and experiences yeah. where a lot of people who have been in and around the evangelical church, even the mainstream churches, though not quite as extreme, it doesn't sit well. And yeah, yeah, there's a lot of negative experiences that people have had and continue to have, unfortunately. Oh, that's terrible. Now, I did have another question because there is or there was a lot of talk around the hymen, which for people who aren't aware of what a hymen is, it is literally a flap of skin that is inside the body of someone who identifies as femme or has a, a vulva, essentially. And it's just a flap of skin that is kind of in the vagina. Sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. Is that a part of this conversation around virginity that still being intact? Oh, and, yeah. and like like a like a physical showing of purity yeah absolutely <laughs> still to like to, to this day, day like till to this day yes without an explanation of what the hymen actually is of course or right. how it could you know a hymen can be ruptured it can break apart from a lot of activities that have zero anything to do mm-hmm. With with sexual activity at all, horseback riding is a really big example. Riding your bike, riding your bike, yeah, because there's a lot of movement and friction from those activities. That's nothing to do with sexual intercourse, mm. and it can still rupture or break. So yes, but without a lot of explanation or context as to, I feel like that's gonna be a big theme in it yeah. that's popping up. Is that there is no explanation, there is no why. It just it, is. And right, and knowing us, knowing how you and I work, we are very much why people. Why do we have to do this? Why does it work this way? Why are you fucking shit up? You know, so many different reasons for why. And I'm just going to put it out there now that there's going to be like a lot of grunts and like, ugh, like, ugh, just from me and the yeah. lack of the why. <laughs> like people, why? Yeah. Are, okay. Well, this is kind of where we're starting. This is. The context, I will also say that, so obviously we can already tell I'm not a fan of purity cult. I really, really disagree with it very strongly. And beyond the fact that sexuality is held in such a high esteem, there's also, and and the clear patriarchy in there Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. who's getting the blame, who's leading others to sin and temptation, that if you haven't caught on, that usually it's going the responsibility is going to fall more heavily on people who identify as female or who are identified as other by others as female. Male counterparts not bear the same level of responsibility. Not to say that, again, 
this doesn't impact them. It does. Mm -hmm. But when the responsibility and accountability come into play, it's laid more at the female's feet. Would you say that for females and, you know, people identifying as women, it's more in your face? This is what you're doing wrong or this is what you can't do compared to maybe men and boys and people identifying as male where it's like more a more subtle approach where they're not like immediately slapped across the face essentially with this is what you did wrong. But like, hey, no, yeah, we don't we don't do that. Yeah, there's a lot more. And it goes the subtle messages go deeper for the females as well. Like, of course. You are right. taught at a very early and young age that your body is there to be gazed upon, right? It's there for other people's pleasure. It is there for everybody else's consumption. And mm -hmm. you, this phrase, and I'm, I'm cringing. You cannot be like these people. Oh, her whole body is oh. scrunched yeah. and acting. The hot modest is hot let me just say that phrase again so like turtlenecks is hottest yeah because no way to skin because we want to leave things to our male counterparts imaginations and we don't want to lead our brothers in christ astray or into temptation an angle is gonna throw them my favorite into a frenzy my favorite example is shoulders and like tiktok mm -hmm. Of course. The shoulders. Right. Oh, damning. How dare we have these two ball joint sockets that every human, regardless of gender, is born with. How dare you show them? Because very, like, similar fashions. All right. Summertime. I mean, you have muscle tanks, right? And guys yeah. should show their shoulders. Tank tops for girls are definitely regulated in a very different way. If they're accepted at all, that's purchase. No shoulder showing whatsoever. There must be some are okay. Yeah, shoulders, but you need four finger widths up for oh my god. Gap. This is like taking me back to middle school and high school oh, where they yeah. checked everything and were like, mm, yeah, no, my three fingers are wider than yours. So like, you need to go home. And I'm like, did my three fingers right? <laughs> yeah. And if a bra strap shows, oh my gosh, how dare you let the world know that you wear because you have hit puberty and have breasts? That's just going to be the undoing of some poor, unfortunate young man that has been led astray by your flaunting your skin, your shoulders. Okay, so shoulders, bullshit, right? But like, like what if like someone has like a, a V neck? cut dress or oh okay her eyes just went real wide almost came out of her head i'm going to take that as like no one showed any chest there were a couple of things you could do to avoid that being you can safety pin it up higher or you wear cardigans or scarves or shrug something something a turtleneck under your dress <laughs> you know joke it happens right and I mean, the example of the shoulders is that like, I'm purposely making it a big deal because like it's a body part that regardless of gender, people have like nipples. Yeah. But I mean, that would even be scandalous for the men. But... Okay. Oh, wait for the, I'm sorry. I was expecting that to, to say, <laughs> I was expecting you to say something else. <laughs> it's not ready for, for men just like swimming. And having their normal nipples. Yeah, a lot wear shirts. Right. And it's, it, and it is all of this shame 
and fear around your body right and like as somebody yes I grew up in it deeply into it in my teens and early 20s for the past several years not been in or around even any church much less the evangelical church and working to deconstruct this and I still have to stop myself and be like no, it's it's okay, Courtney. It's 95 degrees out. You can wear a tank top. It's okay. You don't need to grab that cardigan. Like, yeah. it's so deeply ingrained from such a young age that these are the kind of levels of things that you're fighting when you do decide to leave, if someone decides to leave. And some, you know, things that seem like really innocent habits yeah. I'm maybe not so innocent when you start peeling back those layers. Yeah. Like, could Christian girl fall? Whew. Man, did we all own a ton of scarves. Like, so many scarves. A lot of infinity scarves. Like, 2010. Yeah, 2010. And again, it's like, let's layer and hide. And there is no biblical precedent for it. It's not in the text mm-hmm. anywhere. So this was not literal or theological. This was very much became a cultural thing in the church, which is why we call it purity culture. It just seeps through teachings. And it's taught to everybody very young, but particularly the girls. Now, how did, if you're comfortable sharing yeah. with us, how did you come to the realization or come to find that this is not like that you don't have to feel this shame or that this, I don't know, this like covering, I'm not even like getting my words right, but I'm I'm sure you kind of know where I'm going with this. Like, yeah. how did you come out of it? How did you come to the realization that this is something that doesn't align with, that isn't healthy for you? Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of it was in Christian circles. When you are in a tight, small community, things are often referred to as the bubble. Though so I, my college was a bubble. It was, and evangelical churches really, really pride themselves in setting themselves apart. And a lot of times that means physically, physically away from the rest of the world as well. Safer, healthier. Right, because you you are you're in the bubble. You are in this culture, and there's really no exit. And I say, you know, I, I only had one foot in the bubble. I my background, like growing up, was very different than a lot of people who I went to college with. So I grew up in a very liberal town. I got great sex ed. I mean, so could have been better, but it was phenomenal compared to most people's. And I grew up with a super feminist mom who helped like instill these ideas about like my body is my own and it's my responsibility like I'm responsible for my body and not responsible for other people's actions so I, I came in with a bit of a different background a lot of people who I went to college with lived in very small towns a lot were homeschooled or in like church groups homeschool collectives or just a lack of sex ed as well. And so I always said, I, I didn't quite drink all of the Kool-Aid. There was always this part of me that, like, even as I was in chapel, so again, Christian school, I had to go to chapel, which means I had to go to sermons and service three times a week. Three. Uh, three times a week. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And then we're not like, even on Sunday. Like, no, you expect Sunday. to go to a different church on Sunday. Oh, you were expected to right. Yeah, then go to church. And if you didn't do that, you could go to what they called Koinonia, which is a worship service that's mostly just music on Sunday night. But it was a requirement for graduating. You could not graduate if you had not fulfilled your chapel credit. Oh, well, I wouldn't have. I would not 
have been graduating. (laughs) (laughs) Right where I would have been. (laughs) So this is the level. This is the intensity that I came to Angelical Church. So essentially four times a week, you would meet for some type of service. What happened during, like, what? I mean, generally, they covered a wide range to nurture you in your growth and development. Many of you, the tagline, the party line there. But I, sitting there and like listening to some of these services and sermons and with classmates, they just didn't sit particularly well with Mm -hmm. me. And I never found a church that I went to every Sunday for four years. And I did a lot of semesters off campus, but necessarily there. So I think in my own way, I never sat well with me. And then I left, I graduated, and I never really went back. Just kind of kept going through life and having my own experiences. And I got married very shortly after I graduated. And by that, I mean, I got married to my husband three weeks after we graduated college. And you did not get an MRS degree. I do have legit degrees. She does. She's incredibly fucking smart. Like. Yeah. And her husband is lucky to have her and he would agree with my statement. But no, yeah. other people I'm sure have gone for an MRS degree. But Courtney was. Yeah. No, I. I she's got plans, people. <laughs> well, and that's kind of the thing. And we, right, I, I got married and then was expected to have all of this sexual knowledge and know how to navigate a sexual relationship with somebody. Because now I had a license. It is. Uh, mm. Do you think that's why a lot of people have this end goal of college being where, like, that running joke? Like, you hear it a lot, and I feel like it's heard a lot more in different parts of the United States, particularly, that they go to school for an MRS. Do you think that was really the goal for people with college so they could do those things that they kept being told that they can't do, that they shouldn't do? Not sure if they decided not to. Yeah, yeah, there's, yes, for some. We okay. we definitely, I remember it blew my mind because it was such a culture shock to me coming from a Milano background and coming to a very conservative college and talking to people, particularly women, again, and just shocked that they, people's, what they wanted to do with their life was get married and have babies and be a stay-at-home mom. And that was, that was it. That was the goal. Probably an 18 did not respond as graciously to that choice as I should have because it's a valid, but it is so f- far uh, from the choices I have made for myself. Yeah. So it was, it was there. You had a lot of people who got married before they ever graduated. So we had a lot of married couples. That was not uncommon. Some did, some didn't. Okay. You had a lot of people who met in college, dated and got married within the like six months to a year after we graduated. Okay. Very so, like, common. Almost sounds like people took it as a requirement to graduate. <laughs> you find you find your person. Ringside break. There was a lot of pressure, which I will say, you know, on top of a lot of repressed feelings. Yeah. And, and sexual desires. Then you added this like intense pressure cooker it did not make for a sexy healthy sexual environment we're sexy or sexy <laughs> not sexy not sexy 
uh, but not healthy for like not a healthy sexual environment and not for developing healthy relationships because there's this whole big other side of things. I just, okay, A, I don't think anybody knew basic anatomy. Oh, that's, yeah. I mean, a lot of people don't know basic anatomy. That's true. Regardless. <laughs> like, really, I don't think they knew any anatomy. And there was just, there, there's this idea that once you have a marriage license and you, you can have sex, suddenly you're supposed to know what to do how to have these conversations with a partner, how to set boundaries, how not, like, and a lot of pressures and very conservative ideas come along with it of not saying no, of, mm, well, I'm going to do this because, well, he's my husband and he wants it. And, and not, there was no conversation about consent and what it is, period, much less. What does that look like in a long-term relationship? What does that look like in a marriage? We went, bless my husband, I really, some days I'm like, wow, you really, really must love me too. Because he's not, he did not grow up in the church at all. And he was like, okay, yeah, but it was just super supportive of me throughout whatever. And I asked him to go on these couple retreats. There was one held every semester. Oh, hold on. I'm sorry. Backtrack. Yes. Your college yes. held couples retreats. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Okay. Okay. Got it. I'm there. I'm with you. We're only seriously dating engaged or married couples. I'm sorry. What is considered serious dating when you have people who are meeting, getting engaged in six months, and then getting married in a year? What? I, what, what? I forget the exact cutoff. There was. Oh, my God. There is a... Like, there is, like, a, like, they, they... There was a criteria. Yeah. Oh, my. Okay. Okay. So, but we went, and the two topics, the only two topics that were covered were conflict resolution, which is important, and communication skills. But nowhere in the communication skills or conflict resolution we talk about boundaries. Did we talk about consent and the various cues and types of consent that you can have? And we did not talk about expectations about a marriage or like around a sexual relationship in a marriage and potential fears and concerns about that, right? And I think a lot of people thought, okay, we're married, we're going to have sex and it's going to just be amazing because we're just going to know what to do. Like, we are just sexual wizards. You're not. No, your dick is not a magic wand. You're not. That's not how that works. Right? Everybody's first time is a little awkward in some way. Right? Yeah. Because there are things to learn. Yeah. Like, where do you even put it? And I'm just like, where do things go? There's no, there's no dialogue there. There is no preparing anybody for any of that. Okay. No. It's this very surreal little world and bubble. It sounds like its own Disney. It, it is its own own thing. I mean, and a lot of people, you learn some really hard lessons when you're not prepared and you figure it out on the way. And sometimes, you know, that's okay in a relationship. And sometimes it really takes a toll on a relationship. But I think like the thing, the most frustrating thing that we've pointed out is just the complete lack of preparation, right? And if the church is going to be your guiding body, of ethics, morals, and basically your life map, then isn't there some responsibility to prepare you for those next steps and like that journey? Is that not their responsibility? It should be. 
I think, you know, if you're going to do it this way, if that is your choice, then it's somebody's responsibility to help prepare you for that. I mean, that's, that's, but I mean, right? Like, I mean, we have a lot of parents all the time. Yeah. Well, Um, they they always say like, hey, you're the parents. We, even if we're doing sexual health education in the classroom, the primary teachers here should be the parents. Mm -hmm. We're just here filling in some of the gaps with some expert knowledge. And so it's the same thing. I was like, well, then the primary source of information and guidance should be from the parents and the church. Like, they can be partners. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It sounds very archaic in the sense that, like, we were talking about Bridgerton earlier tonight before Mm -hmm. we started the podcast. And if people aren't familiar with this TV series Bridgerton, the eldest daughter is getting married and her mom's sitting down the night before she got married or right after she got married somewhere very close to like it's done like you got married you did it and she's trying to talk to her about how it is but she's very much like he'll know he'll know he'll aloof about it anything yeah nothing specific and nothing helpful yeah and that's that's also if you read the books the books very much (laughs) Oh, we talked about Bridgerton last week now that I remembered it. But anyway, the books very much say that, like, no one really has a full-blown conversation about what to expect. Or or if they do have that conversation, it's with, you know, a maid or a servant or right. the person who's dressing them or, or things like that. And that sounds like this is happening still. Yeah, kind of similar. People are definitely going into this blind. I mean, and that's... And that's when we're talking about adults, young adults at that point, who have chosen to wait. Now, that choice is not always me, you know, and that how do you have that conversation where one partner has chosen to wait for marriage before having engaged in sexual activity? Also, who is defining the sexual activity? That I was just going to ask. I was just going to ask, what is yeah. that? What's allowed? What's not allowed? That is really, really, really subjective. That only sexual, like penis and vagina intercourse count for some. Yes, for some other people, they're going to count oral sex as having had sex, and then they're no longer technically considered a virgin. Right? It's very personal and subjective. Traditionally, it's still very much just penis and vagina sex. But I feel like that's also another it's thing that there. comes up. That people also are prepared for it. Because if you have someone that you, I mean, college age, you're infatuated by everybody, right? Like thinking back to when I was in college, man, I thought I loved a lot of people. Looking back, I'm like, no, that wasn't healthy. But like if you're in a situation with someone that you're infatuated by or you feel like you love them and they're like, oh, but baby, like it's just it's just your mouth on my penis. Like it really doesn't mean anything. Right. But and there's no conversation about consent either. Right. But you're also told that you need to listen to men. Yeah. It becomes very messy. And it unfortunately, and this is this is where my tone is changing. I can already hear it myself. (laughs) Yes. Abuse is rampant. Sexual abuse and assault and harassment is rampant because of this lack of preparation and lack of any discussion, unfortunately. And we've never prepared anybody how to have this conversation about what if you decided to wait until marriage? What does that mean to you? And what does that mean to your partner? 
And has your partner done the same? And if they haven't, do you, how do you handle these feelings that are arising? Because loyalty, trust, senses of betrayal are not, you know, deep sadness over like, this could be traumatic. Mm-hmm. This could be a traumatic conversation experience for somebody. And again, you have no guidance, no guidepost of how do you have that conversation in a way that is going to lead to a revolution right. of some kind. Yeah, and that kind of brings me to my last ankiest point about purity culture and shame is it leads, purity culture leads to a culture of silence. Mm-hmm where abuse it it is rampant i mean the catholic church has been undergoing investigations for decades Mm -hmm. at this point very publicly about the different forms of abuse that have happened and it, it just when there's silence, nobody feels comfortable speaking up. People are willing to look the other way, mm. right? There's a lot of denial, a lot of minimization, fear of victim blaming. We went down that track very easily earlier on in this episode. And it does. It just that type of thinking leads to these factors where a lot of people end up being experiencing sexual assault, harassment, or abuse, yeah. which is so contradictory in a lot of people's minds that it's really hard to fathom that a place and an institution that talks about being this safe haven this home away from home and we're going to take care of you Mm -hmm. in every way right like the most the highest moral standards so you know so they claim that they they're all upholding that is filled with yeah and the institution really doesn't have much to say about it they don't respond most of the time and so that's really heartbreaking and for survivors exceptionally traumatic right like pure moment of vulnerability here i'm a survivor and my abuser was somebody from within my church and because of this culture Nobody questioned him. Nobody. And as a young teenager, as an adolescent, he held all the power. And so, and I was very, I was very concerned about victim blaming. And if I came forward and said anything, that it was going to be turned on me. And I, either wasn't, I was not going to get believed at all. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like you speak up and nobody says anything or does anything or they turn around and blame. And so it's, a fierce reality and a tragic one. And even if people haven't experienced that type of abuse, which if you have, I'm sorry, like, not you, you're not alone, you're not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. And anything that happened was 100% not your fault. I just want to affirm everybody in that right now, not your fault, regardless of the situation. Mm -hmm. But even those who weren't who aren't survivors who hadn't gone through that the effects of purity culture have led to a lot of people particularly our age and slightly older leaving the church and not wanting to come back like there's a really healthy steady flow of people leaving young people leaving and you hear it i still hear it all the time from people who are in different churches well what happened to our young people where are they going Mm. why are they right blame the young people right like what's what, they don't understand, like, what, what's wrong here? Why, why are they leaving the church? We brought in cool worship music. It sounds like rock and roll now. We have these great effects and shows. Why, why are people leaving? 
And I'm not saying everybody leaves for this reason, but it is a factor for a lot of people who are leaving the church for all of the things that we've talked about. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much for sharing, Courtney. Yeah. And and opening up with us and being vulnerable and sharing your experience and everything that you went through. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.